Welcome to episode 159 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast, the Picking Eyepieces episode. I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the night sky, and this podcast is for anyone else who likes going out under the stars. Shane, when you came on, when you came uh, came out here a few weeks ago, and uh, you you asked me something, and I don't know if you recall this or not, but you said, so is this like your minimalist set? I had my my 40 and my 12 and a half and some Barlows. I'm not sure if you recall that or not. Yeah, yeah. I remember having a brief conversation just about like, what are the kind of, what are the eyepieces you bring to the top of the hill? And I, I thought that was really good. So I took, um, I took, and you sort of said it kind of half jokingly, like, is, is this your minimalist set or something? Anyway, so I, I took that and I wrote an article on it. <laughs> <laughs> for the journal that. or what for the journal yeah oh, okay, so you, okay. you're gonna see yourself probably misquoted there yeah well that's fair i've <laughs> worse things have happened to me <laughs> so uh but i thought it was i thought it was an interesting comment which i hadn't i hadn't actually thought as as much about although i'd kind of worked my way through the uh the process but uh you know, I, I teach these classes and, and I, you know, to people that are interested in getting into astronomy and I, uh, you know, we, we go out and do lots of uh, public observing and I talk to uh, new observers uh, all the time, uh, you know, through this podcast, um, which is, which is really cool. People will write and, and ask some questions, of, you know, particularly about eyepieces these days, it seems, but um, one thing I notice is that often people get uh, sort of set on getting, um, like a whole IP set from a manufacturer. I don't know if you've run into that too much. Um, yeah, you know, I see it more on like cloudy nights or whatever. Like some somebody may want the entire set of Delos or Delights or you know, pick pick your brand and and some people will try to get every eyepiece that uh, that's made. Yeah, I think I think as humans or something, we tend to be collectors. Maybe. Oh yeah, for sure. Is, well. I, I'm trying to complete my set of TMB super monos, but I don't think that will ever happen. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I look forward to that though. I, I'm one eyepiece away from having the Pentax XWs. Um, that's been like a, a decades long journey now. I think I will get the the five um, for too much longer. Um, but they're they're sort of uh, a smaller set, I suppose. Being uh, what do you got? Three and a half, five, seven, ten. Uh, 14, 20, and then I have the 40. I'm not going to get the 30. So that's like seven eyepieces. And some of these eyepieces, they start at like two and a half millimeters and they go up to like 40 millimeters. And, and sometimes it's like mm-hmm. two and a half, a three, a four and a half. I mean, they're, they're really, you know, you can really kind of dial in a specific magnification, but I don't know about you, but I actually only end up using like a few eyepieces every night, it seems. Well, yeah, it depends. It depends on how I'm observing, or maybe I should say what I'm observing. Um, if it's deep sky, it's probably two eyepieces, maybe three, and mm. and that's about it. If we're if if I'm looking at the planets um, or even double stars, then it's you know it's a different ball game, and, and this is where I'll bring out a lot of eyepieces, and yeah. uh, this is where I um, will use a lot to find out. Uh, how limiting the atmosphere is or the seeing conditions are. And then once I've kind of got that perfect, like this is the most power I can use tonight, given the seeing conditions, then that eyepiece is locked in there. And I'm, I'm probably not changing it because, um, you know, I'm going to spend uh, a lot of time observing 
just Jupiter or just Saturn or, you know, the, whatever planet I'm looking at, um, you know, I, I'll spend an hour or two just looking at, at, you know, one or two planets. So, um, those nights I'll, I'll, I'll bring out quite a few eyepieces just for that reason. Yeah. It can be, it can be kind of funny though, when you, when you tell people like, well, you know, typically, um, either you go through a selection process like that, you end up using just, just one or two eyepieces, maybe three, or you're going to go deep sky observing. So you only bring two or three eyepieces or two or three magnifications with you. And I think sometimes, uh, people that are just getting into this are, are really surprised, um, that often we're, we're using just such a small, uh, selection, uh, of eyepieces, uh, instead of like, you know, these, these massive, uh, sets, but there's kind of some good reasons why. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I guess with some deep sky objects, um, they can take some, some objects can take magnification really well. And it is probably, you know, I've even done this a few times where I will start to, you know, use a number of eyepieces on deep sky objects, but usually what I find, uh, you know, I, I get into this sort of flow, if you will, where I just want, I like, I don't want there to be anything between my eye and the object I'm looking at. Um, so I just observe, you know, and if I start messing around with eyepieces and filters and things like that, I'm not really looking at anything anymore. I'm messing around with my stuff. So I usually just get to this point where I, whatever's in the diagonal at the time, that's what I'm going to use. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, yeah. And I can kind of, uh, observe like that quite a bit as well, but what was happening to me though? Like, remember we made those, I shouldn't say we, you made these awesome eyepiece cases. Remember that? I had a pretty big one. It was like a toolbox that was converted. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And I remember I threw in tons and tons of eyepieces in there because I'd sort of been getting quite a few by that point. And even with all those eyepieces, we were getting, I was getting out observing or we were getting out observing. And, uh, and I was, I was noticing that it, I was missing like some powers like that I wanted to hit either either I was only taking like one low, low power eyepiece and, and, and more high power eyepieces. And then I get out observing and I wanted some more mid power eyepieces and, or I was taking out like my lower power eyepieces and then I get out there and, oh yeah, I forgot Jupiter was up, but I only have my maximum power of like a hundred or something like that or 107. I think it was, which is really just where you can, in my opinion, you can really start observing planets. Mm-hmm. uh at, at about uh you know that power so i was kind of getting um a bit frustrated and i i really wanted to uh to kind of sort this out um a little bit better so i guess one, one of my first caveats uh is that uh well i've said in the past i'm not a huge fan of barlow's and i spent a long time looking at um different powers that uh that i was using in the field that i preferred to use and then also I looked at um, two resources. Um, one is the Observer's Handbook. And on pages 50 to 53 of the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada, the RASC Observer's Handbook, um, caveat of which I'm, a, I'm an author, co-author, contributor. Um, and there, there's this section by Roy Bishop in there um, on exit pupils. Do you ever read that article? No, I don't think so. And in, in Roy's article, he goes into some, some great detail on um, figuring out what eyepieces um, or what, what eggs of pupils um, to try to hit. He talks about, um, you know, high power being like, like point, 0.5 millimeter eggs of pupils. And he talks about 
um, you know, sort of the best higher power is about one and a half millimeter exapupils and, you know, a low power being, you know, in the, in the two or so millimeter and that all the sort of rich field um, telescope power is being in that, uh, you know, I guess roughly uh, five to seven or so millimeter exapupil. But, you know, uh, looking at that, and then, and then we'll get into that here in a moment. And then looking at uh, Stephen James O'Meara's books. So, uh, and I know you're a fan of his books as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what books, what, what Deep Sky Companion books by Stephen James O'Meara have you read? Oh, gee, Hidden Treasures. Um, I've got three or four of them upstairs and I can never remember the titles of them. <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's the Hidden Treasures, yeah. which, is, which I think is the best. I think, yeah, you know, agreed. So agreed. I, I think, and it's the biggest, it's sort of hard to sit and read with because, you know, it's sort of like, you know, um, well, it weighs 25 pounds, I think <laughs> something like that. Yeah. It's ridiculously big. That's, that's my only fault with the book though. I think it's an excellent book. It's, it's a little bit off an oddball in a way, but I think that's his best book. Um, I've been kind of playing with the Caldwell objects, uh, this summer. Um, he also wrote one on the messy objects and, uh, and then he wrote one on the Southern sky and there's probably one in there. Um, I think I'm missing, but anyway, um, he's written these, these books. And as, as you go through the books, you notice, um, or at least I notice in the, in the start of the books, he talks about the powers that he uses and how he obtains those powers using really just, I think he had um, something like a 22 millimeter panoptic he, which is, I think, just a one and a quarter. And then I think maybe it's too much. I don't know. And then um, I think that he used like a seven millimeter and a 4.8 millimeter Nagler uh, type one. And then he kind of sort of upgraded over the years and changed them around and used a combination of, of different Barlows um, with those eyepieces to achieve this whole huge selection um, of powers, which is, which is really interesting. So if you read the introductions, you'll, you'll read this. But as, as you read his books, whether it's um, the messy objects, maybe less so, but like the Caldwell objects, I think is a pretty good example of this. He talks about starting off observing an object. Now, whether or not he, this is exactly how he did it or not, but this is how he talks about most objects, um, what it looks like through binoculars sometimes or most of the time. And then he talks about observing it with his four inch at 23 magnification or 23 X and then 72 X. And then um, I think about 130 or 135 power and then 189 power. And basically it it looks like for the most part, he just uses these four powers, regardless of what he writes in the introduction. I'm sure he goes through and, uh, you know, and uses a lot of different power. I'm sure he goes through like um, a more extensive observing process than, than I ever will. But um, he does come back to these four powers again and again. Sometimes he'll mention other powers like, like um, you know, sort of more mid powers or more high powers. Um, but for the most part, uh, he's he's got those four powers. And as somebody who owns a four-inch telescope, um, I kind of spent a lot of time sort of experimenting with my own observing and how I like to observe, which is, you know, of course, uh, different than, than how Stephen O'Meara observes. And uh, sort of looked at what he was using and then kind of modified that based on how I observe um, and what, what I like to observe and then kind of using uh, Roy Bishop's guide as, as a bit of a, as a bit of a guide there. So I'm not sure. How, how do you pick uh, your eyepieces? Um, 
I, I have a very simplistic approach. <laughs> um, I, I like kind of your low, medium and high power. So, you know, depending on your telescope, you, you need to figure out what that is. Um, but when I'm looking at low power, basically I, I want the widest field of view possible. Um, you know, medium power, obviously kind of in the middle and then a high power, uh, eyepiece. So, um, one of the ways I get around some of this, um, is using a zoom eyepiece. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll still take out my, um, my wide field. So that'll either be like a, a two inch, uh, like my 31 millimeter Nagler or, um, if we're really like, you know, minimalist has a few different definitions, I think. And if you're really talking about minimalist, meaning like easy to pack lightweight, um, then it's my 24 millimeter panoptic for the wide field. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have two different zooms. So, you know, probably the luxurious one is the Leica, which gives me like a focal range of, um, 17.9 down to eight millimeter, I think. Um, if I want truly minimalist, like lightweight and small, I'll use my little Nikon MC2 zoom, which gives me a focal ratio of 21 to nine millimeter. Um, but this thing is, it's as light as like a, like a 20 millimeter plossal, maybe even lighter than that. Like it's phenomenally light and portable and really sharp. It just, the field of view isn't that great. I think it's around 45 degrees. Um, but anyway, so I'll, I'll bring those, you know, two eyepieces. So a low power and a zoom, and then I'll sometimes throw in a Barlow so that I'll add that to the, to the zoom eyepiece to, again, give me a wide range of focal lengths, but a lot more power. So throw in a two or two and a half times, uh, Barlow, uh, say without Leica. So then I have everything covered from like 18 millimeter down to like four ish millimeter with the Barlow. So, um, like a two times Barlow. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my approach. Um, like I say, it's overly simplistic. Um, but the zoom kind of gives you a lot of, uh, uh, just a lot of, uh, uh, ability to just, you know, again, match that magnification with whatever object you're looking at and, and the skies that allow it. Um, and it reduces one of those factors. You and I always go back to the, the futz factor. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, putting eyepieces in, taking them out, putting them in, taking them out. Yep. And if you're really getting into filter use, um, again, just putting that on one zoom eyepiece, it, it's really cool, right? <laughs> cause, cause now you're just, you know, zooming in and out based on, you know, your desired view and you don't have to be messing around with multiple eyepieces and, and switching filters. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're using this in your uh, 76 uh, millimeter F, is it F seven and a half? Is that what you're yeah, the 76 is seven and a half, but like, you know, the other thing too, and, and this is sort of more by chance, uh, but it is something I'm aware of when I'm looking at telescopes, I like to stick around that F seven ish range if I can. Um, so two of my telescopes are right there. Like the 76 is a seven, the 120, I think is, or sorry, the 76 is a seven and a half. The 120, I think is a seven. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, that's not quite right. I think that might be seven and a half as well. Um, but then I have uh, a number of other telescopes that, well, actually the 50 FL, I think that's uh, like an F8. So right around there. Uh, then I have some F5s, but you know, if you can try to keep your focal length somewhat consistent within your telescopes, then, you know, the, the eyepiece choices kind of apply against all of them, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so my approach is is a little bit different, I guess, than um, than yours. 
Uh, my scope's the 100 millimeter f7.4, so similar telescopes, but I've got a 40. I really, really like super low power. So I have a 40 millimeter that's pretty heavy, the Pentax XW. Um, and that gives me uh, about 18 and a half or 19 power and about a five and a half millimeter exit pupil. But um, if if I need to go lighter, like if I'm traveling or something and I don't want to carry that with me, I mean, it's an expensive eyepiece to replace too if it got lost or stolen or damaged or something. So I'll take uh, an inexpensive 30 millimeter, 80 uh, degree uh, wide field with me, um, which isn't quite as good, but I think it's it's a pretty good eyepiece anyway. And uh, and then typically, sometimes I would take just like a, like a 1.6 Barlow. I think that gives me, I don't know what that gives me, something like 20 power or, or 40 or 50 power or something like that. And then I would use a, uh, a 4.8 millimeter sort of for, for like higher power, you know, like around 160, good for planets and really busting up globulars and stuff like that. But again, like it wasn't quite hitting the, hitting the spots that, that I wanted to hit. So um, again, like either the 40 or the 30. Um, and then I, I tried using my 10 millimeter quite a bit, which gives me 74 power, but I found it to be way too much of a jump from the 40 and still a bit from, from the 30. Um, so I tended to prefer having slightly lower power, but I found my 14 millimeter was, was too low a power. It just wasn't quite giving me that much of a jump. Um, especially from, from the 40, they, they, they seem somewhat similar, except the, the 14 wasn't giving me much in the way of resolution. And then, uh, it was, uh, you know, fairly restrictive on the field of view. So I ended up, uh, getting that, that doctor 12 and a half, uh, I guess a couple of years ago now. And then, um, I've quite enjoyed that. Uh, it's a fairly expensive eyepiece. I think, I won't say it's the last eyepiece I bought and maybe the last eyepiece I buy because it was pretty expensive, but uh, the only other eyepieces I've bought since are for like public outreach and, you know, eyepieces that cost like 20 bucks and stuff like that. So what I, what I started playing with is the Barlow's on, on that eyepiece and trying to hit those, those powers that uh, both Roy and, uh, and Omira talk about. So, um, by only having two eyepieces, the 40 give me about 20 power. I can use the, the 12 and a half, which gives me 60. And it gives me 1.7 millimeter eggs, pretty close to that 1.5 that Roy talked about. And uh, and not quite as much power as, as the 74 power, but it's close enough to it that I get most of that resolution. And with the wide field, it gives me this huge field of view. So I feel like it's a really nice step up from the 40 because I'm going up 40 power. And then I go up another 40 power, strangely enough, to 100x using the uh, 1.6 Barlow, which actually gives me a little bit more power than 1.6. And that gives me a one millimeter X people. And then by using a 2x Barlow, which gives me slightly more power, um, I'm going to about 130 or maybe a little bit more. So pretty close to another 40 power jump. And then I use it the 12 and a half in a three times parlor, which gives me pretty close to that 0.5 millimeter exit pupil, uh, pretty much 0.55 and close to 190x. So again, another jump of about 40 or 50 power. So I really just by experimenting around, like with with the set that I had, and then with getting some barlows, um, I find that that's a really nice uh, graduated step because I find that going um, you know sort of in into powers that are in between just doesn't really give give me much. I'd rather just stay with that lower power 
or I want more resolution than, than what I was, uh, what I was getting sort of with the smaller jumps that I had sort of with my original, um, set. So I'm not sure what your thoughts are on, on that sort of set of powers, but I feel like that works pretty good for me for most nights. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's, uh, that's a really good setup. Um, the, uh, the other factor here too is, is, um, you know, field of view and how important that is to you. Like if you want wide field or not, um, because another spin on this whole minimalist set, um, is to take, um, or, or I do this occasionally, uh, I can take almost an entire set of 0.965 orthoscopic eyepieces in less space than I can take like my Nagler and the Leica zoom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and, and in addition to that, they're much lighter eyepieces. So like there's no real balance issues. Uh, you can use lighter weight tripods, mounts, all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's, uh, there's another approach as well. Um, if you're not as concerned about, you know, having 80 degree field of views and uh, long eye relief. Um, but you know, as much as I enjoy my small little orthos, I do really appreciate the wide fields of view. Um, so, you know, it, it just depends on my mood, I guess that particular night. Um, Maybe one thing I'll throw in there too that I didn't mention. Sometimes uh, with my Nagler or my Leica Zoom, I won't bring a Barlow. I'll just bring my five millimeter uh, Nikon Nav um, mm -hmm. just to handle that high power, and um, you know, still kind of give me you know all of the other um, uh, you know things I enjoy. I you know wide wide field eye relief. Um, because the thing I don't like about adding um, the Zoom is you just end up with like sometimes uncomfortable observing positions too, because it elevates that eyepiece out of the diagonal a lot. So it really yeah. changes things a little bit too sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should just mention like how to calculate um, power first and then yeah. talk about getting, getting angst in people. So uh, most people are going to know this already, but just in case people don't uh, calculating power. So for example, my, uh, my hundred millimeter, my four inch, it's, it is a hundred millimeters. So just under four inches, I suppose, 3.9 or something like that. Um, and it's got a F ratio of 7.4. So that means, uh, it's got a 740 millimeter focal length. So what you do to get the F ratio is you divide the focal length in millimeters by your aperture in millimeters. So you divide 740 by hundred and that gives you a 7.4. Um, and then to, to actually get your power, um, what you do is you divide that focal length by the, uh, focal length of the eyepiece. So for example, um, with my 12 and a half, if you divide 740 by 12 and a half, you get, uh, 60 power or just under, it's like 59 point something. Um, and, and then, uh, by using Barlow's. Um, you have to kind of be a little bit careful with Barlow's because, uh, they can sometimes not provide the exact magnification that's stated on them. So you can read up on the different Barlow's and maybe what Barlow you already have. And then what you can do is go out in the field. You can actually compare it with other eyepieces that you do know the, the, uh, the focal length to. So for example, um, my 12 and a half in a two Barlow should give me, uh, like a 6.25 uh, millimeter eyepiece or something around like 123 magnification. Uh, but it actually really gives me 10 X more than that. And it's, that's quite apparent if you go out and somebody uh, using like a similar telescope has 120 power on their scope 
And then you go and look at mine. You say, well, you've got way more, power. like you definitely have more power, like another 10 or 15 power. Um, it becomes pretty obvious. And there's, there's a variety of reasons for that, but um, you just need to know that as you're kind of building this out. And it's not, it's not super critical. It's all just kind of about getting the magnifications that you want, but what it can do though, um, and how it can affect your set is that um, sometimes it can push you closer to maybe another power that you're using because if you're using say the 12 and a half in a Barlow and you're going to have that as your set. Well, if you were going to buy like a five and a half millimeter eyepiece, um, you're really not going to realize any difference in power. Like maybe you're trying to go up like by 15 or 20 power per, per um, step. Um, and you're going to actually land too close to that next power up. So that's kind of how it influences that. But for me, I have like a pretty wide gap anyway. So uh, it's not going to matter too much. Um, so anyway, that, that's how you uh, derive power. And then um, to calculate the, uh, the, the exit pupil, uh, what you do simply is you just divide the, uh, the, the uh, focal length of the eyepiece by the F ratio. So if you divide 40 by 7.4, you're going to get about 5.4 or 5.4 millimeter exit pupils. Uh, 12 and a half is going to give you 1.7. Um, and then if, if you're around six or so, it's uh, or 7.4, it's going to give you uh, a one millimeter. And then um, if you're, if you're at like, I don't know, like 3.7, then that that's going to give you um, a 3.7 millimeter eyepiece will give you like about a half a millimeter um, exit pupil. And the way that the exit pupil works is that if you imagine your um, pupil of your eye, um, it's going to open to under a dark sky somewhere around like say five or six millimeters um, and, and a maximum of seven millimeters for, for younger observers. Um, that, that gives you your guide for the lowest uh, usable power with a few caveats. So for example, um, those of us with astigmatism or other eye problems, the problems in your eye are actually going to become more apparent the lower the power you go. Um, so for example, I can't use my 40 without my glasses. The field just looks like garbage. And even with my glasses on under a dark sky, I can see a lot of aberrations. Um, but once I go to uh, that 12 and a half, kind of like Roy Bishop said, uh, just a little bit around that 1.5 millimeter exit pupil, I actually get a huge improvement. And I can, for deep sky anyway, I can take my glasses off and, and observe. So uh, that, that works pretty good. Don't know if you have any comments on that, Shane. Um, no, not, not really. Um, you know, the, the glasses, uh, aspect is kind of interesting. Like I do have astigmatism, but it's, it's not as bad in my main, like my, I like to observe using my left eye and the astigmatism in that eye isn't too bad. Uh, mm. so when I do take my glasses off, um, uh, you know, I, 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 I can use some of those eyepieces that don't have as much eye relief. But, you know, I, I sometimes, I don't know if this is just psychological, but, you know, I, I feel like sometimes getting rid of my glasses out of the focal plane um, just maybe improves the view a little bit. That sometimes like my eyeglasses introduce a little light scatter mm. and uh, sometimes it, it just is a nicer view without glasses. But um, it's interesting that you mentioned, even though despite your, your stigmatism that, you know, certain exit pupils allow you to go without glasses, which is, uh, you know, a nice option to have if you want that. Yeah, I still notice like uh, some astigmatism, uh, and, but I'll notice it really it, uh, by about two millimeters um, for the exopupil is kind of where, where um, things improve. 
Mm-hmm. And, but they don't get any better for me. I know, to, I know some people feel like it continues to get better um, right up until like that half millimeter. But for me, for whatever reason, I find like, well, once I get to about two, in this case, 1.7, it's okay. Like I can take my glasses off. If I'm observing planets though, um, it's, it's kind of a bit of a dry. I'd almost rather leave my glasses on because the correction still does improve like just, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't really matter, I suppose. Uh, but that doctor 12 and a half is, is pretty comfortable both with glasses on and with glasses off. I just find that, um, with my glasses on, I lose a little bit of the field of view. Um, it, I can see about 70 or just over 70 degrees, which is nice. Cause that's, um, mostly what my other eyepieces are. In fact, all my other eyepieces, I think are 70 degree field of view. Uh, but then when I pull my glasses off, I get that extra, um, 14 or 15 or 16 degrees, which is a really huge field of view. So, so I enjoy that quite a bit. So mm-hmm. kind of makes for, for a pretty neat, uh, any combination there once once you start putting this this eyepiece in Barlow's the the downside is though I do notice an inc- increase in in reflection and I know Mike was out one day and was like yeah that's a lot of glass you could start to see a little bit of scatter from from time to time but uh but for the most part I think uh you know it, it makes it makes a pretty nice uh base set just uh just for observing so I end up with uh two four I end up with five powers 20 60 100 130 and 185 and 185 or 190, I guess, is is pretty close to that uh, that 200 power, uh, which would be about maximum power for the for the four inch, uh, you know, as per what Roy Bishop and lots of other other people say. So that's sort of like a theoretical max. And the neat part about four inches, it will hit that. It will hit that uh, quite easily, and um, that often also. Uh, ends up coinciding with uh, kind of the maximum useful magnification on on any given evening. I find that on on pretty good evenings, even uh, about 200 magnification is kind of about the ceiling. I, I don't know uh, what you've experienced with that, though, Shane. Yeah, yeah, that that's pretty fair. You know, it, there will be exceptional nights where you can extend past that, but for the most part, that holds true in my experience. Um, you know, one other side note too, about that Dr. eyepiece, um, I think Noblex makes it if I'm not mistaken. Used to, Uh, yeah. They stopped production here this past year, unfortunately. Well, that's my, that's what I was going to say is that it was just, uh, on, there's a cloudy night's thread that it's, uh, production is resuming on that. Oh, it is. Yeah. There we go. Which, uh, you know, it's a legendary eyepiece. It's one of the probably arguably the best one in that focal length for wide field, good eye relief. Um, so, you know, if anybody is, uh, kind of lusted after that eyepiece, but missed out, um, on the first production runs there, um, it sounds like you'll have some future opportunities. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it's a unique eyepiece. There, there's nothing else that has, um, the, the level of comfort and the field of view, uh, that, that eyepiece has really, you know, it's, it's a very similar field of view to uh, something like uh, uh, the Teleview Ethos. Um, it's only got about a dozen or so less degrees than, than that. And, uh, and, and, and at the same time, it maintains this huge eye relief. For me, I find it kind of difficult to get my, my eye position with my glasses on just right to get the entire field. If I focus, I can, if I kind of take my time to come up to the eyepiece. But most of the time, I, I'm happy with the with the view that I get with my eyepiece on. I think you tried it with your eye eyeglasses on, and uh, I think you you were you were successful in getting a pretty good field of view even with your glasses on. Yeah, I was really impressed with the view. Um, 
admittedly, I didn't, I didn't really like kind of test to see if I was seeing the field stop or not, but yeah. um, it just, it was such a, uh, an easy eyepiece to use. And what I mean right. by that is, is like some eyepieces you, you have struggles like placing your eye in the right place to not have blackouts or to um, just see kind of what appears to be the whole field. And it just didn't seem to matter with this eyepiece, wherever I plump my eye down, yeah. uh, there it was like, I, I could see everything. And, and another aspect that, um, I like to see in, in good eyepieces, um, and a lot of people refer to this when they're writing reviews is the snap to focus. Yeah. Um, so some eyepieces, it just seems difficult to get like a nice focus. Whereas, uh, you know, to me, a good eyepiece you'll just be racking through the focuser and then all of a sudden just boom, it's there, you know, and it just focuses like very crisp. It's very uh, apparent that you've reached it. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes just rocking the focuser a little bit, like doesn't change that you just have really clear focus. So, you know, another, another aspect that I like in eyepiece is that I don't know if, you know, you and I don't often talk about that kind of stuff. We talk about eye relief. We talk about yeah. fields of view. We talk about exit pupils, um, but there's a few other things that I like to look for. And, uh, those are more like the kind of the comfort factors, I guess. Yeah. I, and I totally agree. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because when I was out looking at uh, the Orion Nebula, um, yesterday morning with, uh, with the, uh, 12 and a half doctor, um, yeah, exactly. Like I, like it's, it's four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning or whatever. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm awake and observing, but um, I don't want to be messing with the focus too much because, uh, you know, I'm trying to make the most of my observing and I get up in the middle of the night. I don't want to be out there kind of racking the focuser in and out, trying to get things, uh, in focus, but, uh, yeah, it's actually really easy to see if you're in focus with that, that eyepiece, uh, or not quite in focus. And then, um, it doesn't really seem to take too much of a turn of, of the focuser and, you seem to be able to, to hit that, hit that sweet spot. And again, like we talk about using F7 telescopes or so, and F7 and a half really. And that's also a big advantage to an F7 telescope is that uh, it, it is a little bit easier to, to hit that sweet spot. And certainly like that morning, um, you know, just kind of a quick, oh, oh, there, no, not quite. And then back and then boom, I got it. And then I observed it for, I don't know, 20 minutes or so at that power um, was just really, really nice really nice to do. Whereas other eyepieces, you're, you're constantly like sort of sawing. I always feel like you're sawing that focuser, right? Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, cause yeah, it sometimes is like that where you're, you're in and out, in and out and, and you know, the, you want it to be as crisp as possible. And, and where I really notice it sometimes is on the planets, um, like, you know, star points are, are pretty easy to get into focus or, or to know when you are focused, but sometimes on the planets, especially if the seeing isn't a hundred percent, um, it's a little more challenging to know if you've got it as crisp as it can be. And, and again, that's where some of these better eyepieces really shine because again, that focus point just becomes so apparent. Yeah. So we're, we're getting, uh, we're getting towards 40 minutes or so here now. So mm -hmm. maybe, maybe we can talk about some favorite eyepieces. Like what are, what are some of your favorite eyepieces or favorite eyepiece, uh, lines if, if you had them or some of the favorite eyepieces that, that you've looked through? Uh, yeah. What, what are some of your favorite Shane? Um, yeah, good question. Um, so probably my favorite, so this is going to partly be just you know, me thinking about which eyepieces spend the most time in, in my diagonal or, or focuser. 
Um, the, the 24 millimeter pan optic is, is mm. probably number one for me. I've yeah. had that eyepiece that probably has the longest life in my case. Um, I've never sold it. It's one of the few eyepieces I've never, you know, uh, sold or, or rebought or anything like that. It's, it's a phenomenal eyepiece. It works well mm -hmm. in fast telescopes, slow telescopes. It really doesn't matter. The eye relief is a touch tight, but I don't feel like I'm really missing much of the field of view. Um, like maybe, I don't even think it's 5% of the field of view I miss with, uh, wearing my glasses. So, yeah. um, I love that eyepiece. It's lightweight. It, it's really, really good. Um, if I want, you know, this, the widest field of views, I'm still debating between my 41 millimeter pen optic and the 31 millimeter Nagler. Some nights mm -hmm. I prefer one over the other. I'm, I'm not sure if I have a favorite there, but, uh, I will say that I, I do like the Teleview products for, um, their ability to work in all focal lengths of telescopes. Um, again, they'll work in a fast telescope or a slow telescope. Um, now you, you kind of pay for that. I think on the weight of those eyepieces, um, it takes a lot cost. of, yeah, <laughs> it takes a lot of glass to do that. And, um, yeah, and they're not cheap all the time, but those are really good. Um, then, uh, then the other eyepieces that I'll talk about, well, I love my zooms, you know, I mentioned those already, but, um, and, and, and frequent listeners have heard me also kind of wax on about, um, uh, orthoscopics. I, I really like the view through an ortho. Um, like if you want like very neutral, um, presentation of whatever you're looking at, like no added colors or, you know, very dark, you know, black skies or backgrounds, very sharp, uh, imagery, um, it's, to me, it's really hard to beat an orthoscopic or, you know, the monocentrics that I have, but like those eyepieces are, are phenomenal. Um, I really enjoy using them. Um, now you trade in the wide field of views and, and the, the eye relief, but you know, you, you do get some other, um, other benefits there. Yeah. How about you? Well, for me, you know, I guess, um, talk a little bit about like the, Teleview uh, ethos um, first. So I remember when that eyepiece came out, I spent uh, quite a bit of time um, hunting those down. Actually, uh, I think his name was Steve Truscott, who who worked uh, for Cloudy Nights. And he came up to a star party when I lived in Ontario. And I, I observed with him one evening when he, he had one of the demo uh, ethos 13s from Al Nagler. And uh, I really liked it, but it was a glasses off only eyepiece for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as somebody who has to wear glasses, I, uh, I, I knew that that was a lot of money to spend on an eyepiece that uh, I was going to, basically, I was going to be reducing its optical performance with my eyes, unfortunately. Um, and so I was kind of, it was sort of a little bit disappointing um, you know, and, and I, you know, I have friends that only use the ethos IP, so they have one or two and, and they do lots of observing with them. And when I observe with them, I love using them because I just whip my glasses off and that and it's great for, for, uh, you know, those, those viewing experiences. Um, but, uh, even before that, even with the Naglers and that, I found that, uh, in the, in the shorter focal lengths, like the nines and the, mm -hmm. Uh, 13s and the sevens, I couldn't, I couldn't see the field of view and it was glasses on and off all night, uh, which is uh, a bit of a problem for me. Um, I think I even dropped my glasses one night or lost them. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't great just observing with other people even. Um, but, but way back in the day, I had observed with a guy named Paul and my, in, in the Halifax center and he had 
um, the Pentax XL series. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, the views through those. I don't know if he had them all, but he had, he had a few of them and a nice 12 inch uh, reflector, I think it was. And uh, I remember viewing through those and he was somebody um, like me who wears glasses and, uh, and wears glasses when observing. And so I was like, oh, this, this is the glasses observing eyepiece. This is sort of the, the Nagler for glasses observers. <laughs> so, uh, which I never even knew the Pentax had made eyepieces um, for astronomy. I think it's more known now, but at the time, I'd never heard of anybody using these Pentax eyepieces. And, uh, and so uh, when they went, when I eventually, uh, I think at the time, I don't I think it was just as I was kind of starting working. So I, I didn't have the, the disposable income to be buying eyepieces, but eventually after a few years and uh, Pentax came out with the XWs, which had another five degree field of view. I, uh, I started kind of picking up those as they go on sale or whatever, and uh, slowly have accumulated the set just because they're, they're kind of a rare eyepiece in so far as they have a reasonably wide field of view, about 70 degrees or maybe a little more. And then uh, they're also extremely comfortable with easy eye placement and, uh, and you can wear your glasses when using all of them. Um, so, yeah, so those, those are the ones that I've really focused on. And they're actually not as expensive as the Teleview eyepieces either, which kind of, which kind of helps me out. So, uh, so I'm pretty, pretty happy with those as far as, as far as a set goes. So I guess like sort of in the true caveat, I've got almost a complete set of, of one brand, but it just works so well for my particular type of observing. Um, and from time to time, they've stopped making certain focal lengths of, of those eyepieces. And then I always kind of have a bit of a mini freak out because I haven't collected the full set. Um, I, I just need one now, but, uh, but unfortunately, like they don't quite hit all the, all the powers that, that I want. And, uh, and then when I, when I'd read those reviews at the doctor over, over 10 or 12 years, um, you know, and that also being a rare eyepiece and that it has even a wider field of view than the Pentax, uh, but also can be used with glasses on. I, I decided that that would be another eyepiece that that I would kind of kind of go for. But uh, but yeah, when it comes to planets, I have a have a few two or three uh, planetary eyepieces. Like not ortho, I don't know if they're orthoscopics or not. They're five element, and uh, they're also made by by Pentax. Strangely enough, but they don't work with glasses. But actually, with the five millimeter, I can hold my eyepiece back from the glasses, and and it's and it's okay. But yeah, that that's kind of where where I've gone with with my eyepiece uh, collection, and uh, still have a few of the old Spears Waller eyepieces, mm-hmm. which are uh, uh, a line produced uh, out of Canada here by by a guy named Glenn Spears, who's who's a great uh, producer of amateur astronomy equipment. Um, I think it's available just about anywhere. I think like you can get it in Europe and the UK and all over the place. He makes sort of some interesting oddball things that are really high quality, like. He makes uh, a 1.6 Barlow. I have one of those super cheap, but awesome, super high quality. Um, that actually is what led me to, to get a higher end 1.6, but I'm keeping that one for my two inch eyepieces. Um, and he still produced the Spears Wilder, but originally he made those Spears Wilder a 70 degree with long eye relief that I could use with glasses or get most of the feel with glasses. But then the more recent versions uh, aren't, aren't as good for glasses wearers, they have good eye relief for non-glasses wearers. I think the eye relief is perfect. Um, and really uh, for people that are just getting started, I think the Spears Waller make, uh, make an excellent uh, purchase. I think they are excellent eyepieces. 
no matter how you cut it. And uh, they definitely uh, are, are more affordable, especially for, for people just getting going. And if you don't need to wear glasses when you do astronomy, um, I think that's probably one of the perfect places to start. <laughs> are there, uh, we'll, we'll wrap things up here quickly um, or shortly, I should say. Um, are there any eyepieces out there that kind of have your interest that you've never tried? Oh, I don't know. The doctor was the big one for the longest time. Um, mm. Let's see. You, you have the Nagler 31, which I, oddly enough, I don't know that I ever knew anybody with one before yours. Mm. I think that might be the only one I, I really wanted to view through. Or if I had, I hadn't viewed through too many. And same with the Panoptic 41. I knew lots of people with the 35, but I always wanted to view through that. And the same with the Panoptic 24. So you've been a great um, <laughs> a great resource for me because I kind of decided, I don't know if I want to buy those eyepieces, but I really like the fact that you have them. And then when we go to observing together, um, yeah, I would, I would, I'd love to borrow those. Yeah, some of the other ones would be like the, the Nagler 22. I think I have viewed mm-hmm. through that, but that would be like an eyepiece that's on my sort of long uh, desired list to observe with. Um, oh, again, the Leica Zoom that you bought, that was also, that was probably my top sort of exotic piece of glass that I always just wanted to view through. So I was really happy when you bought that. So yeah, you'll, you'll notice the, probably the only reasons why I observe with you is, uh, is for these eyepieces that you have. So <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and, and that's all true. Like, I think those are all really interesting eyepieces that, uh, that you've bought. I think that's one of the most interesting uh, collections. Like, like if, if someone was like, you just asked me like, what are the eyepieces that, you know, you kind of always wanted to view through, uh, but don't own, like, I think it's actually your set of eyepieces. So, and and that's no joke. I think that's, uh, that's sort of pretty interesting, but I guess sort of moving on to eyepieces that, um, that neither of us own would be those uh, Nikon uh, hyperwides. That's on my list for sure. Yeah. So kind of throwing it back to you, what, what would you like to observe through that you haven't looked through yet? Yeah. So yeah, those Nikon hyperwides, I think they're a hundred degrees or 110 degree fields. I, I can't remember, but there's two, I think 102. Okay. Think. They have uh, a, a 17 and a 12, I think is what it is. Barlow that you stick into yeah. 17 a 14 and the 12 or 12 and a half at 10 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So th- those ones really intrigue me. Um, the, uh, the Bader Morpheus set oh, kind of intrigues yes. me because, yeah. um, they're really well-priced. Like they're like, and again, this is relative, you know, to the wide field universe here. Um, but they're $315 Canadian, which to me, like for a wide field, high quality, long eye relief eyepiece is pretty good value. Yeah. Um, and the reviews are really amazing online. Like people yeah. say that this is right up there with the Pentax XWs with the Delos. Yeah. So like, that's the cream of the crop. Um, yeah. so I've never looked through one. Um, I'm kind of curious. Yeah. So those are sets you can, you know, or eyepieces you can buy today. Uh, but some eyepieces you can't buy. Um, I would love to look through the Zeiss Abbey orthos. Um, there's two sets, like there's the first gen and then the second gen. Yeah. Uh, I've never looked through those eyepieces and I'm just really curious about them. Um, so hopefully one day I have an opportunity to, to look through somebody's Zeiss Abbey orthos. Oh, I remember another, another eyepiece, a very small set. And, uh, and I've always lusted after, after trying is the, uh, and this is your fault 
is the uh, is the uh, Explore Scientific uh, 92 degree um, oh. eyepieces because they're designed for eyeglass wearers. Um, and apparently they, they have very good performance, very good reviews. They're, they're Nagler ethos in pricing. Um, but the downside to them is, and not that that's not a downside, but one of the other downsides, apart from the expense, I think they're around six or $800, um, is that they're very, very heavy eyepieces, unfortunately. And that, uh, that is a bit of a, a detraction, but why you're responsible for me one of those is, um, I forget why I, I often don't subscribe to magazines and, and you were actually giving me your old magazines once and, and you gave me one and I, I read it, I, I was sitting on the sofa and I read it over the course of a week or something. And when I was done, I flipped it over and had these eye pieces on the back and they just look so nice. And I thought, oh, those look amazing. And then when I looked them up on the internet, I found out they weighed like four pounds each. Or so. Oof, gee, yeah, that's too much. I don't know. It, it might not be four pounds, but they weigh, I think they weigh like 45 ounces or something. So that's a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is pretty heavy. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would need some counterbalance probably. Yeah. So, but anyway, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I have. And actually when I'm out observing, I really don't think that much about the eyepieces. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like, like I said early on in this episode, you know, usually w- what happens is I just leave one eyepiece in there and, and kind of observe the night away just like that. And once in a while I'll decide to, you know, go up or down in the magnification just to, you know, change it up for whatever I'm looking at. But yeah, once I start observing, I just observe, yeah. you know, and I worry a lot less yeah. about what the gear is doing and just enjoy the views. All right. Well, anything else to add, Shane? That is all. All right. Well, with that, we will thank everybody for listening and thank you for joining me. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.